Odyssey of Fire, Rookie Fever, Brit Sanders, The Sandman. What is up, everybody? How are y'all doing today? This is the Rookie Fever Forecast, Episode 4. We are on to our rookie stock report going up and down. Going to see who is who, where people are landing, where people are fading, where people are trending. But first, I want to give a big shout out to the Fantasy Football Affair, giving me the opportunity to make this happen every week. Hopefully you guys are enjoying this as always. And later in the show, we'll talk about it. But give me a little like and suggestions. If you guys want to see something, let me know. Before we get started, let's take a deep breath and let's get into the goodies. All right, so for our deep dive today, we are going to go with the one and the only Chase Claypool. When a guy gets that much attention from his team, he gets a little attention from me. Chase was a true senior coming out of Notre Dame. He had an age 21 breakout. He was coming in at 6'4 and 238 pounds. Chase scored and ranked number 11 on the predictive measure of success model just in front of T. Higgins, actually. He had a stellar 129-point speed score, which is a 99th percentile. He had a 92nd percentile burst. The dude was an absolute athletic freak. He did not have a lot of college tape to back up all those numbers. However, three weeks into the season, that's right, three because they had a skip a game because of the Titans are fucking around doing their business. He's coming in with a 15.7% team air yards, which isn't horrible given who he's fighting with. He's coming in with a 45.9% round participation. He's seeing an 18% target rate. He has a true catch rate of 75% and his real or his catch rate right now is 66.7%. He's also getting 88.9% of his targets are deemed catchable. So what that means to me is that his large frame, his large wingspan, they are being utilized. Now, it's important to note that Chase's four-touchdown week came in most likely because Deontay Johnson caught an injury early. That doesn't really stop me from whiting the hype up, though, because the team was absolutely rabid in trying to get him the ball as often as possible in the red zone. And if we're really going to break stones and talk about it, that's where I want my players to be getting. Chase had a 68% snap share. If the team's going to continue to utilize him and continue to scheme him open, kind of like the Jaguars are doing for Chenault, kind of like the Seahawks do for DK Metcalf, I'm going to be very, very interested, and he's going to start really rapidly climbing up the ranks. It's also important to note how he is involved after the Deontay Johnson injury. I believe I said it on the first or second podcast. If Chase Claypool is able to create a large enough impact on this team, he could very well just push Juju out of the team's plans. Not likely but it's impossible. It's possible. I personally want to chase as a tight end. He would have ranked as the top tight end of the 2020 class. And quite frankly, he had the height for it. He just needed to pack on a couple extra pounds, but that's neither here nor there with the Pittsburgh Steelers scheming him open with him catching a 75% of the targets with big Ben's passer rating being 148.9. 
things are pointing up for Chase Claypool. Gonna have to monitor him, see how he's continuing to be implemented. But y'all, this is somebody who may be coming out of the woodworks and show us a little something something. All right, let's get into those rookies that are rising up our boards. His true catch percentage, however, is 66.7%. That is something we can work with. That is something that is less worrying for me. It's important to note that a true catch percentage takes away the errant targets and the targets that were, were not actually ever catchable. It's a better picture of how T is able to reel the ball in. Next up is my boy Cam Akers. Cam was a buy two weeks ago. Cam is still a buy now. Cam is rising. Cam Akers was able to get nine carries. He was able to turn that into 61 yards off of only 19% of the snaps. It's not going to happen overnight, but we're going to see a committee. and I think we're going to see Cam grow into the head of that committee, a little thunder and lightning. McVay himself said Cam earned a bigger role. Cam led the team, the running back room, on Rush's yards. He didn't see a target, though, so I'd love to see him get a little bit more involved there. Cam is someone who's going to be a slow burn this year, but someone at the end of the year might very well be serviceable as a flex or running back, too. And moving on, hopefully, he's going to be a very good running back, too, with potentially running back one upside. All right, moving on to the Chicago Bears. Darnell Mooney, the dude just can't stay away from our show sheet. He saw a 66% snap share for the team, which is the second highest. He was also second in targets. He had a pretty decent game. He had caught two catches, two receptions. He had two receptions off of five targets for, I believe, only 15 or 16 yards. Now, Nick Foles is not the BDN that we wanted him to be. However, Darnell Mooney already delegated Anthony Miller to the number three spot. Mooney's got the speed. It's just really going to be hit or miss games. I love what we're seeing here. He's still going to be cheap because he hasn't put up that huge giant week yet. But it's someone we're just going to have to really look into, pay attention to. He is rising up my board, and I'm loving it. Another guy that I'm loving, a little low name, someone we've been slowly paying attention to, is Tyler Johnson, the man that came out of desperation because the Bucks wide receiver room is more banged up than the 2020 running back room in general. They had a, he had a 78% snap share. He got four of his six targets for 61 yards. He had some nice yak. He showed some good contact balance. He didn't go down with arm tackles. He's no burner by any means, but I'm curious to see if this performance is going to be able to push him into a slot role, perhaps push Justin Watson out of the picture, maybe even push Scotty Miller out of the picture. Something we're going to have to monitor. I'm projecting here a little bit, hoping that Tyler Johnson can get a little bit more involved in this offense. A Tyler Johnson, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans offense would be something that would be quite literally salivating. We're going to have to wait and see, but he's absolutely rising up the board for me. My last riser for this week is LaVisca Chenault. I was a little worried last week. He came down with a hammy. 
the boy was able to play, and goodness did he play. He had a 78% snap share. He had eight targets and seven receptions, 79 yards. And now the door's open for him. DJ Chark will have the game with an ankle injury. Without Chark there, the number one role is wide open. And LaVisca Chanel is clearly getting a lot of the attention from the team. The team's scheming him open. They're giving him screens. They're giving him rushes. They're trying to get him involved as much as possible. There's a scenario here where Chanel may very well end up being the Jaguars wide receiver one at the end of the year. Leaving Chark and Cole and Conley fighting for the number two role. It's really going to depend on how long Chark is out and how much Chanel can take advantage of this. Pay attention to it. This may be the last couple weeks where you're able to buy low on Shark or a price that isn't going to be selling your soul. All right now, with all the good, there's always a little bad, a little disappointing, a little bit of heartbreak. And for today, the heartbreak that I'm bringing is Antonio Gibson. He is a father for me. Now, this is a bit tricky because I think long-term Antonio Gibson has some very serious upside. He saw all of the rushing work this week. He even saw a bit of the targets. He got five targets and he had five receptions for 25 yards. He just isn't able to establish himself fully in the receiving role. He had 11 rushes for 27 yards. Nothing horrible, nothing great. He wasn't schemed out because they were getting smacked around. He was still getting used. The issue is, is that J.D. McKissick had eight targets. And if J.D. McKissick's taking eight opportunities away from Antonio Gibson, then we're not going to see his ceiling this year. I think this line of 11 for 27 and 5 for 25 is something that's going to be a bit common. It's unfortunate. I really think that right now Antonio Gibson's looking as a flex play with running back two, running back one upside. Nothing bad, believe me. But he's not this running back top top 24 running back that we want him to be this year. Next year is a different story, and we'll get there when we get there. But we're just taking this one week at a time, trying to get 16 weeks out of this pandemic season. That being said, I'm seeing more and more offers where people are offering wide receivers or low-end wide receivers for Antonio Gibson. This is going to be very team-dependent for you, all right? I've gotten, I've seen offers where it's DJ Chark straight up for Antonio Gibson. I've seen offers where it's Marquise Brown straight up for Antonio Gibson. Play People are starting to bail on those year two wide receivers and trying to get the new hotness. Make these trades if you need them. If you're a rebuilding team, make these trades. Get that wide receiver that is blossoming, but make sure that you have an opportunity to buy him back next season. If I had to go off the top of my head where I would rank Antonio Gibson in the 2021 class, I believe as of right now, this moment, he would be top six. Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard, Journey Brown, Kenneth Gainwell, Antonio Gibson. Number six, 
So that's going to put him around the back end first, top end second again. May even sneak his way up, depending where all those guys fall in the 2021 draft. Antonio Gibson is someone that I want next year, someone I'm going to be aggressively targeting in the offseason. He's someone that if I can trade for a good wide receiver piece this year, like a shark, like someone in that realm, someone a solid wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside, I'm going to if I'm rebuilding because you need wide receivers, a solid wide receivers for a rebuilding team. If I'm competing, I'm holding on to Gibson. And if I need a little running back bolstering, I package him with the low end running back I got and try to move up. Makes me sad to say that he's sellable, but he is absolutely sellable. The last faller I have, that's right, only two, keeping it short and wonderful. The last faller I have is Harrison Bryant, my man crush in the tight end room this year. With Njoku back from IR, there's just no playing time for Harrison Bryant. And that's just how it is. And that was expected. That was something that we knew was coming. What was nice to see is that Harrison Bryant looked good in that hiatus. So this is a good opportunity to wait a few weeks if you're tight end premium, send out some low-end offers for Harrison Bryant and see what comes back. I believe Njoku is a free agent next year, so Harrison Bryant may very well see his way into a full-time tight end two role next to Austin Hooper in the year of 2021, someone I'm looking to get into. He is falling just because he's no longer going to provide any potential upside or any more flashes this year, assuming injuries stay away from the Cleveland tight end room. All right, moving on to who I'm selling and who I am buying. My first sell buy of the week is Henry Ruggs. The man had 65% of the snap share, which was second on the team. He caught two of his three targets for 118 yards and one touchdown. Goodness gracious, this is not the ceiling for him. But this is what people wanted to, were thinking when he was drafted in the first round by the Raiders. His volume is concerning. This is a weird game. You'd love to see him get more involved instead of three targets. I was going to have Ruggs was a candidate to be a deep dive, but more likely than not, Ruggs is going to have another big game like this. Chase Claypool probably won't. So we'll get into him later in terms of his overall profile and how he's looking. Now to me... I'm not a big fan of these giant boom-bust type of players. He's a sell for me. People are going to be hot and bothered about this line. The fact they beat the Chiefs, the fact that Derek Carr can throw the ball more than 30 yards accurately. He always could. He's really low. People buy him. Believe me, Derek Carr's worth the investment. Henry Ruggs is someone I'm looking to move on from, but for the right price and assuming I can get a solid player in return. I'm not looking to move him for picks. If someone's offering me a pick, I'm just going to sit and wait and see what happens. Next up is the sell and buy is Keyshawn Vaughn. Keyshawn Vaughn had a wonderful opportunity in Thursday night football. However, he didn't really do a whole lot with it because he didn't have a lot of opportunities. He looked good as a third down back. He was looking good on his routes. He was catching the ball. He even met Jesus once. He got absolutely clobbered. That was where the fumble came in. Usually, I'd be a little worried about fumbles and Bruce Arians. However, that was a really tough sequence for the rookie. He was running an out route. 
caught the ball, took two steps, and just absolutely met a brick wall. Even left the game for a little bit, probably got his wind knocked out of him. He wasn't very involved. He wasn't expected to be involved. However, I think Keyshawn Vaughn is looking nice for the 2021 season, whether it's the running back or the third down back roll, or if it's for a potential committee, depending on where all the running backs land that are currently in the room. Keyshawn Vaughn is going to sink into the vast darkness that is a fantasy footballer's memory. That's going to be when you're going to want to go and just send out a nice little offer for him. Perhaps an underperforming wide receiver. Perhaps a hot running back that won't be around for the end of the season. He's someone I'm definitely looking to stash on my leagues. And he should be pretty easy to do it. All right, my next sell buy is C.D. Lamb. Now, last week I spoke in a puzzle when I said C.D. Lamb would be a top five pick. Little did I know, I was projecting just a little bit there. I think C.D. Lamb, with this game and the last game and where he's looking to go, positioned himself to be a top 32 player in Dynasty startups. You need to act accordingly, people. I know Dak Prescott nearly lost his ankle. I understand that Andy Dalton, the red rifle, is not someone you want to tie a franchise-wide receiver around, but... If you're getting old on your team in your wide receiver room, if you are in a rebuild mode and you have an Allen Robinson, if you have someone like that, honestly, I would sell them straight up for Lamb and it may not even be enough. CD Lamb is someone that I'm going to happily overpay for this year and I'm going to reap the benefits long term. If you can do it, do it. Make it happen. Act accordingly. He's only going to continue rising. You ought to buy high sometimes, and this guy's a time to buy high. Our next player is Devin Duvernay. Devin Duvernay finally got involved in the route participation department. He caught two balls for uh, three targets, and he had 23 yards, 33 yards, something like that. He also had a rush. He is looking dynamic. He is looking fast. He is looking exciting. Can he coexist with Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews? This year, the answer is probably no. Lamar Jackson is still going to be running. They're still going to be throwing at a relatively low rate. Now as Lamar Jackson grows older and his ability to escape the pocket and put people on ice is diminished, he's going to need to rely on throwing more. Ideally, Devin DuVernay is going to be able to be more involved and be more established into the wide receiver room. I think this is an early buy. I don't think you need to go out and get him immediately, but he's someone you need to think about in this offseason to go and get and to just stick on your taxi or your deep bench to let him cook, to let him simmer, and then to bring him out as a main dish in a year or two. All right, my last but not least buy sell is Clyde Edwards Hilaire a lot of this is just based off the ridiculous hype he was receiving Clyde Edwards Hilaire is married whether you like it or not to Patrick Mahomes now that's not a bad thing by any means because clearly that's going to give Clyde wonderful opportunities each and every game to make an impact 
However, it also caps his upside as a top five, top 10 running back. In PPR leagues, he had a great week. In standard leagues, he had a decent week. Nothing special, nothing sexy. You can really go either way with Clyde. For me, personally, I think I would be suggesting and leaning the route where you shop Clyde around. You see if you can get a running back like Miles Sanders plus a little bit. You see if you could make a lateral trade but gain a little extra in the trade value department or upgrade another position. I'm not saying run out and sell and the the house is on fire type of sell, but I'd be inquiring and fielding offers and see what you're getting for him. There's some people that are just ridiculously high on him, and rightfully so. He seems like a very good player. I don't think he's going to be a top 12 running back year in, year out, in a perfect back. Clearly, each year has different opportunities and different scenarios in which you got to take into account. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire seems like a fringe running back one, high-end running back two for me. So if someone's offering you a solid running back one, now may be the time to pull the trigger. All right, as we're ending the near the show, you know what that means. It is our Devi Dive. Now I'm going to be trying my best to be bringing you 2021 relevant players as much as I can. And once I start feeling like I'm getting a little iffy, we're going to start dipping in 2022 and then 2023. I seriously doubt we'll get to 2023 this year, but we'll just see and have to check it out. Again, this is just to give you guys an opportunity, a little sneak peek into what's coming the next year so you can start preparing. It's never too early to prepare for the year ahead. All right, our first Debbie player is Terrence Marshall Jr. out of LSU with Justin Jefferson leaving for the draft with Jamar Chase opting out on the year. The 6'3", 200-pound wide receiver has had all the opportunity in the world to make his mark and make his name known, and good laud has he done it. 424 yards, 21 receptions. The dude is just unreal. He has eight touchdowns already on the career. His dominator rating is going to be out of this world as well as his market share. He's going to have a moderate profile due to the fact that he was playing with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, and he didn't really get the opportunity till now. But what's more important to me is that with this opportunity, similar to Brandon Ayuk last year, he is making his name known. Terrence Marshall very well may be playing himself into a round one considerations in rookie drafts and real NFL drafts. If you hear Terrence Marshall's name called in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft, don't be surprised if he's also going to be there in your mid rounds of your rookie draft. He's someone you got to pay attention to. And if you're Debbie, you're too late, but you might as well give a shot and try to grab him because he is skyrocketing up. The next is a literally less known Michael Carter out of the University of North Carolina. Michael Carter is a running back. He's 5'8", 199 pounds. He's that nice size. You'd like to see him come in closer to 205, 212, but 199 is nothing to snuff at. It still gets the job done. He was a thousand yard. He was a thousand yard rusher his junior year. He has. He's showing an 8.7 yard per carry. 
has seven receptions on the season. He's had seasonal reception totals of above 20, which is kind of the threshold where I want to see in terms of the ability to be a target in the passing game and be able to thrive in the passing game. It's likely, it's possible that Michael Carter is benefiting from Sam Howell and the just improvement of quarterback play. But something leads me to believe that Michael Carter may be a sneaky round two, round three ad later on in the draft. It's going to be important to see how he tests and where he ends up in the draft. But if Michael Carter gets any day two draft capital, he's someone that I'm going to be looking to snab around that Josh Kelly range last year. All right, moving on. Speaking of quarterbacks, let's talk about Kyle Trask, quarterback out of Florida. Most had him written off coming into this year. His first three years were, I don't want to call it atrocious because that's rude. His first three years were not fun to watch. He just really struggled in all facets of the game. But this year, this dude is balling out. He has Tony, his top wide receiver. I forget his first name. I'm so sorry. And then he has he has Kyle Pitts, his top tight end. And together, they are just wrecking havoc each year. Kyle Trask is thrown for over 300 yards. He's thrown for multiple touchdowns, minimal interceptions. He may very well push himself into that number three role for 2021 quarterbacks, depending on where Trey Lance gets drafted. We'll talk about Trey Lance a little later, quarterback out of North Dakota State University. But Kyle Trask is playing really well, and he has the benefit of a hopeful full college season on his side. This is somebody that we're going to have to pay attention to because I give up on trying to project quarterbacks. I'm just going to see where they land, see what team they got, and go from there because goodness gracious, is that a hard evaluation. Our last Debbie dive of the day is Gahale Herbert, a Kansas transfer to Virginia Tech. He is a running back. He is a small little fry. Don't forget about him. He's going to be a late round back. He probably won't get drafted in the top five rounds. He's wrecking havoc at Virginia Tech. He's got 26 carries for 312 yards. He's got 12 yards per carry, two receptions for 46 yards. The dude's going to make a role for himself in the NFL. Hopefully, he's not going to go undrafted. Hopefully, he can find himself on a team that's looking for a little bit of extra boost. But the dude's a name you need to know. You're not going to draft him high in your rookie draft, but you're going to want to look into him. All right, everybody. Thanks for making that through with me. I hope you enjoyed the Rookie Fever Forecast Episode 4. Next week, we'll be doing an overview of all the rookies. I'll try to also include some rookies that have yet to make an impact, some rookies that have been injured, trying to give a feel for where we're at there. This is going to be our bi-weekly template. We're going to oscillate in between doing a complete overview and then doing a stock report. If you have a player you want to see that go in depth on, if you have a question, if you're curious why I'm not talking about Colin Johnson, if you're wondering where the hell Denzel Mims is, if you're wondering how to value Jalen Rager, feel free to reach out to me. I'm on Twitter. You can send a request into the Fantasy Football Fair website. Go check us out. We've hit a little bit of a lull, mostly because work's been just crawling up all of our asses. But we're going to come back strong. Don't fear. Stick with us. We're going to make this happen. Appreciate y'all. 
Have a wonderful day. And before I sign out, I almost forgot. I want to see Joshua Kelly running the ball for more than two yards per carry. If Joshua Kelly sees less stacked boxes because of Austin Eckler out, and he's still averaging the two-yard per carry clip, I don't give a shit if he's only got, if he's got 20 carries. If he's got 20 carries for 40 yards, I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. I'm really pulling for him. I want him. He seems like a great guy, but he may be someone that's going to sneak into two weeks from now by sell report as someone to sell just off of the hotness of earlier the season. I'm hoping the dude can turn it around and create an impact because I love the dude and I got a lot of shares, but that's what I want you to look for today. I want you to look at Joshua Kelly and how he's running and if he's getting involved in the receiving game. It's in the 60-40, 55 split between him and Justin Jackson. So you're also going to want to look at red zone and if he's going to get if he's getting work in there. And we're going to want to see how Anthony Lynn plays a two-minute drill if it's Joshua Kelly or Justin Jackson. All right, guys, that's it. I'm off. Appreciate y'all. Have a wonderful freaking day and do great things.